faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Monday, July 12th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros and coming up on the podcast today, protesters in Cuba are waving American flags and demanding freedom while they denounce the communist authoritarian government. We'll have the details there, plus a prominent White House reporter shares the interesting differences between how the media reports on Democrats versus Republicans. And a sad update on the former Casting Crowns drummer after his scary motorcycle accident. And leftist activists hang a God Bless Abortion banner from Christ of the Ozarks statue. We'll have the details on those stories and more with Trey Gons Phillips from FaithWire.com. Trey, happy Monday to you, sir. Happy Monday, Dan. So I'm thinking like, you know, our fourth story, it's like the elusive positive story. Um, <laughs> we'll find one. To be doing. And, but I do want to, yeah, we will. But I want to say the, the fourth story, it's got the, the person who's in charge of running this uh, statue, the Christ of the Ozark statue. He had a good perspective. So that's kind of a positive spin okay. on it there. So we'll have, we'll have some positivity in that story. All right. All right. We'll look forward to that detail. <laughs> when we get there, we're going to start right here. Uh, yes. In Cuba, however, uh, where uh, moving images of freedom seekers in Cuba went viral over the weekend as uh, images showed many people waving American flags, uh, getting spread around social media. They were out in front of the Communist Party headquarters chanting, Cuba isn't yours. And this sparked a lot of reaction on social media over the weekend. Uh, you had Marco Rubio, who clearly has uh, ties to Cuba. He said, um, no one in Cuba has guns, he said, but tonight heavily armed socialist shock troops are marching in Havana. Make no mistake um, that this regime will threaten you uh, with another uh, Mariel and is willing to murder unarmed people to stay in powder, so, uh, power. And so you, that was accompanied with video where you could see the, the soldiers there marching down the streets. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz, whose father was born and raised in Cuba before fleeing, uh, to America. He lauded the freedom protests uh, that were uh, popping up everywhere. Uh, and he said the communist Cuban regime will be considered uh, consigned to the dustbin of history. He said it's brutalized and denied freedom to generations of Cubans and forced my family and so many others to flee. Uh, the American people stand squarely with the men and women of Cuba and their noble fight for liberty, he said. Rubio also added that he's asking uh, President Biden and Secretary Blinken to call on the members of the Cuban military to not fire on their own people. Uh, he said the incompetent Communist Party of Cuba cannot feed or protect the people from the virus. Now those in the military must defend the people, not the Communist Party. Uh, the New York Times was criticized while covering these protests for likening freedom to a, quote, anti-government slogan. Here's what their tweet said. They said, shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans, hundreds of Cubans took to the streets in cities around the country on Sunday to protest food and medicine shortages in a remarkable eruption of discontent not seen in nearly 30 years. Now, they also they also buried the fact that this is a communist government. They just said anti-government in general, which a lot of people <laughs> mocked, saying, like, you know, you couldn't call him a dictator. You're just trying to get both sides there. Was that too risky? Um, but when you read how the Times talked about the government, they just said um, thousands of protesters gathered in Havana and towns across the country to protest various government shortcomings. <laughs> 
and don't label what type of government is, which is kind of a key detail. Uh, President Biden, for his part, released a statement saying, we stand with the Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. Also leaving out the fact that it's a communist social, socialist government. So what's the left been saying here? Well, prominent leftists have praised Cuba in the past, including Michael Moore, uh, Danny Glover, and, and folks of that nature. Um, Bernie Sanders, he, ha- he has not spoken out about the latest Cuban news, but in the past he was criticized for telling 60 Minutes that it would be, quote, unfair to say, quote, everything is bad about Cuba's communist revolution. Um, AOC and many other prominent Democrats have been outspoken in their embracing of far left and even socialist ideologies that we see in play in Cuba now, uh, including things like democratic socialism. So what's the right saying? Well, Brian Kilmeade on Fox News pointed out that Biden, along with the Obama administration when he was vice president, recognized Cuba during their tenure and removed uh, them from the terror list, also removed and eased trading sanctions and restrictions and sought to normalize that and make it easier for Cuba uh, and and America to engage in trade despite all these um, uh, oppression going on by this communist regime. And so uh, the right also pushes back on that idea of of democratic socialism can work. You hear the AOCs of the world saying that, well, we didn't, that's not the way we would do it. We would do it differently. We wouldn't have all that authoritarianism. But um, the problem is you can't get one without the other because the thing about freedom is people like it. And when you take away their choices, they (laughs) don't want to listen to it. So they're going to resist the, uh, all of these restrictions. And if you have to distribute everything, uh, they're going to resist it, and so inevitably you have to use government force to get them to do it. So that's why it always ends that way. So why does it matter, uh, Trey? Well, I mean, for a couple reasons here. One, um, we have people who have been, you know, long-suffering in Cuba. This is nothing new, and so yeah. we need to be praying for them. It's it's kind of tough. I mean, hands are tied in a lot of ways. Um, so we need to be continually praying for them and finding and seeking ways to help, if possible. Um, and also because people here, as I was talking about with AOC and Bernie Sanders and others that are gaining prominence, they're pushing for the same system of government. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing that communism and socialism, they somehow keep popping up. They're like a character character from the Marvel Universe, Trey. Right? It's like they die a hundred <laughs> times and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. They actually just got put in some wormhole in a different timeline. It still exists. It's still there. Uh, that's how it seems yeah. with communism and socialism. People just want to keep pushing it no matter how many times it fails. It just seems like it's kind of like the definition of insanity, right? Like we'll just keep right. doing this over and over yeah. again. And maybe one of these times it's going to be really successful. <laughs> um, but, you know, there have been several conservatives who have already been critical of Biden and other Democrats, prominent Democrats, who have tried to kind of suggest that these freedom protests and rallies are actually, well, they're just not happy with the way that the pandemic has been handled. And that's all it's about. Right. Like just kind of isolating it just to that issue. It's like, it's, it's about a whole lot more than that. You can't just say, well, you know, we're, we stand with the unrest because they're so unhappy with how their healthcare system is like, no, there's, they're, they're upset with how their entire way of life is. Yeah. Um, so, and it kind of just goes back to that same thing that I was saying before, like the definition of insanity. Well, you can have all these criticisms of, uh, of Cuba, 
but none of them can actually have to. None of them are 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 you know part of communism. That's leave leave communism out of this. Right. All of these problems exist outside of that. And it's like, well, no, I I think they're all kind of tied together there. Yeah, and uh, and I recall uh, there was just a a rapper that went viral because he was from Cuba and he was criticizing the government and on a live stream on Facebook, and so the government in the middle of this live stream breaks down his doors and shuts it all down. Um, and I, re- I also recall uh, Benny Johnson, uh, who's a conservative you know, blogger type. He went to Cuba recently and did some filming. And before they were shut down by, by the Cuban authorities, because they kind of caught on to what they were doing, you know, showing the reality on the ground there, he showed things like the supermarket and basic yeah. things that never make it into the media. And the supermarket was very depressing. You know, there was a few loaves of bread and only a couple of options of different things you could get. It was very minimal. You tried to get gas at the gas station. There were huge lines. And this was before any of these protests were going on. That's just the way of life there. And so obviously the pandemic has accelerated all these problems and made it worse. But to your point, it's not just, hey, let's get back to how things were. It was fine and dandy before this. No, it was horrible before this because communism's horrible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Story number two. So, although left unnamed, journalist Julia Ioff, uh, she interviewed a whole host of White House reporters. Uh, She said in one prominent White House, uh, said that one prominent White House correspondent told her that Democrats, quote, in general, have much thinner skin. Uh, So the unnamed journalist said, uh, this is not unique to Trump, but Republicans never expect a fair shake. So if you cover them fairly, you can have a good working relationship with them. Democrats, de facto, she said, expect you to be on their side and are horrified when you hold them to account uh, as you would any other administration. She said that it actually goes back to the Obama years and the way that the press treated Obama and his administration. Uh, another anonymous reporter said that they miss covering the Trump administration. Uh, the reporter said, I loved covering Trump. Uh, it was a great and fascinating story. It wasn't just about him. It was about his movement and the institutions and America. The story was always so dramatic and had these larger than life characters. The stakes often felt very high. She said, I like, or, or he, I don't know if it's a, a man or woman, but the reporter said, I like covering Biden too, but it just doesn't feel as dramatic. <laughs> and then there's another journalist uh, who admitted kind of the obvious, uh, saying that Trump was really good for journalists' professions. Uh, Trump was always making news, so he kept the kept the industry going and, and growing too. Uh, ratings were, I think, the greatest they'd ever been, at least in my lifetime uh, during the you know the the Trump years. So what's the left saying? Well, the sentiment there is certainly true. You can see in interviews all the time when journalists give Democrats a question uh, that could be, you know, even perceived as a little bit cynical. Uh, they become uncomfortable. I think, Dan, the most recent example that comes to my mind is when Vice President Kamala Harris uh, got obviously frustrated with Lester Holt uh, when he asked her several <laughs> weeks ago now why she hadn't been to the border despite being in charge of the border crisis. Uh, So what's the right saying? Well, on the flip side, it is true that there's an adversarial relationship between the media and conservatives, given journalists are by and large democratic-leaning and are much friendlier to to liberal politicians. And Trump, for his part, uh, released a statement Sunday saying he's, quote, proud to inform you that the lamestream media, as he called them, has hit the lowest approval ratings ever recorded. 
He said, I think it would be fair to assume that I had something to do with that. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, so much of this is just a ratings game, particularly with cable news. So as Christians, I think we need to be discerning, right? You know, look at the source of the news we're reading, uh, go to the original content if it's not in the articles we're looking at. And then, you know, we just have to operate with the assumption that there's going to be a level of bias everywhere because it's impossible to weed it out totally. Uh, and, you know, I think the frustration is that so much of the press claims to be objective, uh, but are obviously pushing some sort of agenda. Um, yeah. So the thing that, you know, the thing that makes Faithwire and CBN News different, you know, is we do have an angle. We're open about that. Uh, our, you know, our focus and the lens through which we interpret things and we see things is through faith and through the gospel. Uh, so you're always going to find that here. But even with that, we try to report the facts and, you know, just go with the, this. This is the information and then give you handles as believers to navigate it. Uh, but, you know, all that to say is you know, consume a lot of information and look at the sources you're getting that information from uh, and don't just you know look at a headline and go with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is interesting to watch this dynamic because I think a lot of people understand um, that, that there is there are biases at play with the media. They, they can see CNN. I mean, you can see CNN now. They're still yeah. to your point about they're they're missing Trump. I see Jim Acosta uh, on CNN as a headline now where he's criticizing Trump. And they have another headline about Trump on the main page of CNN. And it's like they they know what butters their bread. They're not going to give it up yeah. so easily. Um, and I do think that the big shift, as we've talked about, is that we, we're seeing a lot of these journalists, quote unquote, shift from just a bias, which you can understand to some degree, to, to a lot of full-blown activism. I mean, when yes. you look at that Hunter Biden laptop getting shut down, regardless of whether you think that's quote unquote news or not. I mean, the fact that it was shut down is really kind of chilling, to be honest, because that was true information. And it got it got shut down. It got it, they got New York Post got, uh, you know, removed from social media yeah. over that. And that's that's the kind of stuff now that has people just, you know, really, really losing trust uh, in the media and uh, and so beyond even more that the left right bias and this reporter is talking about, I think it's getting even more serious than that. Yeah, it certainly is. I think the press is getting like adversarial uh, against any perspective that's not the the liberal perspective is what it seems like. And a lot of the stuff like with the Hunter Biden story that you mentioned, Dan, is, uh, you know, they'll make an apology weeks and weeks after it's like the, 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 da the right. damage there's already done right um, so it kind of doesn't it doesn't really matter at this point that you you've walked it back because you've already accomplished what i can perceive to be the goal which was to to quash a story long right. enough to get through an election cycle <laughs> right right like oops our bad on that so uh, but all right you know it's like everyone's <laughs> like oh great okay thanks appreciate that you know yeah um, they wait right. till they're a safe distance away from it. So yeah, but to your point, I think that's the a good takeaway there is to uh, is to recognize certain biases that may be at play and look for that source information and go from there. Yeah. And and of course, like you said, we will try to always you know bring you the information there for the for you to make an informed decision. But then you know plug in that faith perspective where we see it. So um, so uh, so yeah, good stuff there. We're gonna head into a story uh, number three. Which is not good stuff. This is uh, actually pretty sad. Yeah. And uh, we've been reporting on it. Wanted to give the update today because it happened, uh, I believe, late Friday. Former Casting Crowns drummer Andy Williams died 
uh, of injuries he sustained uh, after a motorcycle accident back on June 27th. He was just 49 years old. And as we reported earlier, the crash had left him on a ventilator and really left him with severe trauma to his body and his brain. He had some surgeries. He had a leg amputated in hopes of trying to save his life. Um, Grace Chapel, his church home in Fairview, Tennessee, um, posted a long and, and touching tribute from his wife, Kelly, which was shared by um, Casting Crown singer Mark Hall. It said he fought a great fight, but the injuries that he suffered took a toll on his physical body. You you prayed along with us and, and that Andy would be healed. You prayed along with us that Andy would wake up. You prayed along with us that God would perform a miracle. And while we mourn, that Andy isn't here with us and that we didn't get to witness the miracle we long for here on earth. All of our prayers were answered. He's healed, he's awake, and we believe that he is more alive than he has ever been. We hold fast to Paul's words that we look not to the things that are seen, but to those things that are unseen for they are eternal. We celebrate that Andy is in the arms of his savior and that we are grateful for the memories and laughter that Andy brought to all those who knew him. We can't thank you enough for your prayers, support, and unending love. Um, so a great statement there um, and, and shared by, 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 the, by the band. And a couple of videos too, which you can see on faithwire.com of him doing that drum solo. That looked like a lot of fun uh, <laughs> you know, for whoever was in the crowd there to witness that. So um, obviously not a left or right issue here, Trey, but just you know, why yeah. it matters, obviously, for that perspective on life that we talked about and what matters. Um, it can be jarring sometimes to see somebody lose a life at this age. He leaves behind a wife and three children. And so we need to be in prayer for that family. And, you know, especially when you see people that have blessed believers with, you know, a life that honored God with his music and, and sought to praise God with his music uh, and lift up others in that way. So, um, you know, to give a little back. I mean, we should be praying anyway, but also just to you know give a little back to a family that gave to us. Yeah, for sure. And anytime I see stories like this, I'm always reminded that as Christians, we're supposed to you know, grieve as those who have hope. Um, so our grieving is supposed to look different um, from from mm. the rest of the world, you know, the rest yeah. of society. Uh, and it should be an, an opportunity to kind of share the gospel and share the hope of Christ and the hope of our faith uh, in the way that we grieve. Um, so certainly be praying for this family. If you're in the a community near near them, obviously, you know, I know so many, I'm sure, are already doing all kinds of things to help them and to help the, their kids and his wife who he's left behind. So just a tragic situation, but certainly an opportunity to, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus if you're there uh, and if you're able to to help care for, for this family. And, you know, if that's just prayers, that's incredible. That's that's valuable enough. So definitely be praying for them right now because they're going to go through a tough time. Indeed. So, all right, story number four. Uh, so a leftist political group hung a 45-foot banner reading God Bless Abortions on the 65-foot uh, Christ of the Ozark statue in Arkansas late last week. Uh, so members of the group called In Decline uh, disguised themselves as construction workers, according to the Christian Post, uh, in order to sneak onto the pro property where the cross is, and they used a pulley system to climb up the statue uh, and hang the pro-abortion banner there. Uh, so the leftist group tried to find theological footing for their agenda, too. In an Instagram post, they explained, we think Jesus would understand the concept of a difficult decision. 
He supposedly had to make a few of them and understood sacrifice very intimately. The Christ of the Ozarks is visible from miles away, so we just treated it like a billboard. We aren't necessarily pro-choice or anti-life. Those terms are doublespeak, the group said. We just think abortion is a miracle worth celebrating. Kind of a <laughs> crazy comment there, but that's <laughs> that's their statement. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kent Butler, he's the director of operations for the Great Passion Play, which is the faith-based organization that manages the statue. Uh, he told the Christian Post that he hopes the stunt will point more people to Jesus by getting their attention rather than turning people toward abortion. Uh, he said it's all about the abortion group getting attention to expand their platform, but our pivot really is that it's about Jesus. This whole place exists to lift up Jesus, and at times, what was intended for evil in Genesis 50, it says what was intended for evil, God uses for good. Uh, so certainly a, a good perspective there from Butler. Uh, and he said that the pro-abortion group even put people in danger. He said local tree service employees had to be called in to take down the sign, uh, which is hung from a statue that's he said is not intended to hold weight. Butler said it was very windy that day when they took it down, and he put the safety of those working on taking it out on removing it. He put their, their safety in jeopardy. He said, I think that's where Indecline, the pro-abortion group, got it wrong, that everyone's life is precious and sacred. He said, I think they were not cautious with their own lives in doing what they did and putting up the statue because he just said it was a, it's a dangerous stunt to try to pull. That's a 65-foot statue in a windy area. Uh, a statue that's not meant to to carry weight, like I said. Uh, so what's the left saying? Well, generally, like we've talked about before, the left is is pretty much on the the pro abortion side. President Biden, who's Catholic, uh, he's claimed that he's personally opposed to abortion, but is politically in favor of greatly expanding people's access to it. Uh, which you know we've had, there have been several conservatives, including Meghan McCain, who have kind of called out that that contradiction there. Uh, so what's the right saying? Well, conservatives have pushed back against expanding abortion rights with several Republican-led states even passing bills to limit how late women can have abortions. Uh, so why does it matter? I think we we just have to dismiss the pretext here. Leftist groups are becoming more and more unabashed in their language, which is good in a sense because it's making the difference between those who support abortion uh, and those who support life uh, that much clearer. So I, I guess that's Dan, kind of the positive takeaway here. But, you know, as Christians, I think we just need to continue to pray. And like Butler said, I hope that instances like this will put Jesus at the center, give us opportunities as Christians to put Jesus at the center uh, and and make the argument to people of why it's so important to protect all life from conception to natural death. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I mean, it's, it's sad to see the straw men that, and really just the misrepresentations that people have yeah. on how Christians view things when you read their comments saying, you know, we think Jesus would understand the concept of a difficult decision. Like, you know, what are you talking? He had to, he supposedly had yeah. to make a few of them himself and he understood. So, I mean, it's, these weren't like difficult decisions. He wasn't like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Like the, right. Jesus doesn't operate like that. And um, so, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of tough to swallow these these sorts of maneuvers, especially when it comes to abortion. You know, an issue that yeah. um, you know, sadly, we're divided on. Really, it seems kind of shocking that we are divided on that. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and I'll, it'll never it'll never cease to amaze me that people want to push for abortion this, you know, this strongly that they're gonna 
put a message up there uh, like that, it just kind of kind of boggles my mind still. I don't understand. <laughs> you know, I think whenever I hear these quote-unquote theological defenses of things like abortion, you can always, at least usually, pick them apart so quickly and so easily, like you said, Dan, like Jesus was perfect. I mean, he's, he's God in human form, so he's not really making decisions and battling with these moral right, dilemmas right. like like we might be. So, and I don't really even understand the comparison at all to begin with. So again, I, I can't, I don't really know what they mean, like what their intention is there. But even if you kind of take it at face value and then pick it apart, it's easy to, to kind of break down and say, well, I, this is, doesn't make any sense here. Uh, so a lot of it is just, like you said, it's just straw men. It's just empty, these empty quotes that, you know, kind of maybe placate people and maybe try to sound good to somebody who's who's not aware of what theology says uh, but certainly um taking yeah. an, an unborn an innocent unborn life uh, there's no way that you can fit that into the gospel uh, that is you know that's a yeah. square peg that you're not going to be able to fit into that no. round hole right uh, in any way yeah and and and, and you know i'll just wrap up my thoughts and you, you made me think of it as you re i reread the sacrifice comment from them does that imply that you're sacrifice you're admitting that you're sacrificing a child? You know, if you're going to liken it to someone sacrificing mm, yeah. uh, themselves in their own life on the cross, um, you're kind of admitting that you're sacrificing a life here. And really, the exact opposite is what you should be focusing on. If if sacrifice is the thing that you're upholding here as a value, you should be sacrificing your own wants and desires as a as a pregnant person or pregnant pregnant. I'm not woke. A pregnant mom, um, pregnant female, <laughs> yes. right? Um, so if you're pregnant and you're going to have a kid, like the sacrifice would be, I want to not go for, you know, kill the baby so that I can go for a job or go for a career, right? You're, you're going to sacrifice some of those ambitions, which you can still do anyway. I think that's a lie. But um, right. that's where you should be sacrificing. I'm going to take go the extra mile here to have this child and raise this child. That's where I would see the sacrifice coming into play, but they seem to see it the exact opposite. And it's like, well, sacrificing the child is uh, on par here with Christ sacrificing himself. And it's really, I mean, it's blasphemous stuff, to be honest. So, yeah. And it's just, it's frustrating too that in these conversations, particularly from the left, like adoption is not even an option on the table. No, like no. it's not even discussed. No. Nope. Uh, and it's like, you know, th there are people that, and that is a sacrifice. It's a major sacrifice for a mother to give up her baby yeah. to adoption. But if that's the right thing to do, there are plenty of mothers and fathers all around the country uh, in, in other countries too, uh, who are eager to, they can't have kids on their own for whatever reason. And they're eager to, to love your child. Um, so adoption is, is a viable option. And I wish people would jump to that if they were going to, uh, you know, if they're, if they don't want to raise the child abortion is not the only option you've got right. other options out there available to you yep 100 percent right and um good stuff there trey and also uh that is it that is all the time we have for today so as always for more news from a distinctly christian perspective uh head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for a daily visit don't forget to subscribe to this podcast the four and three podcast leave a rating over on youtube youtube uh, i'm sorry on itunes that's where you can leave a rating um, so head on over to CBN. You'll see stories like our interview with Amy Grant and that, that police officer whose quick uh, action saved a six-year-old girl. Great stuff there. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.